Welcome to the Chamber Podcast. In this episode, we're discussing responsible pay. Ahead of Living Wage Week, we'll be assessing how businesses can make sure they're not inadvertently paying below the minimum wage, and our special guests will be giving their take on the subject. I'm Dan Harrison, Press and PR Executive at the Chamber. I'm Lucy Bannister, Programme Manager at the Living Wage Foundation. I'm Laura McClellan, a Director in the Labour and Employment Team at Squire Patent Box. So on, on the subject of, of responsible pay, there's often a lot of confusion between the national minimum wage, the national living wage and the Living Wage Foundation's real living wage. So we're going to start by trying to define the difference between these three concepts. And Lucy, you're going to kick off by giving us a bit of a, a definition. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Uh, at the Living Wage Foundation, we do see that a lot of businesses and the public uh, are confused uh, about the difference between these rates. So it is really, really important to define um, both the national minimum wage and the uh, national living wage are the legal minimum rates that you can pay your staff depending on an age group. Uh, so the minimum wage currently 738 applies to everyone over the age of 21 and the national living wage uh, currently 783 applies to everyone over the age of 25 and both of these are legal requirements for businesses. Um, the government aims that the national living wage will reach 60% of median earnings by 2020. In contrast, uh, the real living wage, as set by the Living Wage Foundation, is a voluntary higher rate of pay that's based on the actual cost of living. Uh, we independently calculate that each year uh, based on the best available evidence around the living standard, both in London and in the UK. Uh, we take into account the cost of food, housing, travel and other necessities. And our current uh, rates are actually going to be announced um, at the beginning of the week of the 5th of November. Um, so we're really excited about those. Um, and the key thing about the real living wage rate is that it's a voluntary rate that organisations choose to pay their staff. Currently, 4,500 employers in the UK are choosing to pay these rates, including a third of the FTSE 100. Organisations like IKEA, Unilever, um, Nationwide, ITV and thousands of small businesses. Um, and they're paying these rates because they think their business benefits from doing so, uh, but also because they don't want any of their workers taking home less than what they need to live. And currently, uh, both national minimum wage and the national living wage fall short of that objective. Okay, so Laura, Squire Patton Boggs, I know, recently hosted a roundtable with the Chamber and the Low Pay Commission, and something that came up in, in, the, in the discussion was the, the compliance pitfalls that businesses paying the national minimum wage can encounter. So tell us about some of the, the most common pitfalls. Okay, thanks. Um, I mean, there's far too many to mention, unfortunately. Um, what we're focusing on currently are areas where employers are... Um, what we're describing is subconsciously in breach of the national minimum wage regulations. And that's where some of their employment um, practices and procedures are causing them to um, accidentally breach the national minimum wage regulations. Um, and it's something that HMRC are uh, currently investigating in a, a significant number of, uh, of uh, cases for employers. So a couple of the, the common areas of compliance pitfalls, um, some of which might be surprising... The first is salary sacrifice. Um, so if you require your employees to, um, sorry, if you allow your employees to benefit from salary sacrifice arrangements um, when, uh, you, uh, when making pensions contributions, when making uh, childcare voucher uh, contributions or any other kind of scheme, 
um, HMRC will find that that deduction, the part which is associated with salary sacrifice, would cause them to breach national minimum wage regulations, and that could lead to a fine for the employer. Um, what that means is that those who are on the lowest pay, i.e. those on national minimum and national living wages, um, aren't able to benefit from salary, the tax efficiency of salary sacrifice schemes, and instead they have to make their contributions without using salary sacrifice. Um, a couple of other areas uh, to be aware of, uniforms is one. If you are requiring your employees to uh, provide any part of their own uniform, even, for example, uh, black shoes, then HMRC will say that you should be picking up the cost of those black shoes or providing them. If you don't, you could be causing a breach of the regulations. And by that, HMRC mean that um, the individual is not walking away with national minimum wage at the end of the month once they've uh, provided their own uniform. Another area to be aware of is working time. Um, we're seeing a lot of occasions where employers are requiring their employees to um, attend work uh, or leave work before or after their shift start and finish times. So, for example, for team meetings, um, to set up their workstations, uh, to get changed, or it could be at the end of shift, it could be for a, um, a random search or because they're serving a customer. And what HMRC will say, rightly so, is that that is working time. It's a requirement of the role and the employee should therefore be being paid national minimum wage for that time. And what we're often finding is that, in fact, employees are not being paid at all for that time. So it's something for employers to look at. They need to be looking at their actual working practices and, and, and what's happening in reality, not just what they um, expect to be happening. Okay, so those are some of the obstacles with re regarding the national minimum wage. But are they things that real living wage employers should also be thinking about to ensure that employees are, are in fact receiving that wage? Um, yeah, and at the Living Wage Foundation, we accredit organisations who pay all their staff the living wage. Uh, and we generally require organisations to mimic the minimum wage law when they are uh, implementing the real living wage as well. Um, so we have many of those exact same questions and the same issues coming up, uh, especially around working time uh, and things like salary sacrifice. Um, and so those same uh, things need to be uh, looked out for uh, with living wage employers as well. Um, and further, we actually encourage our employers to look at their self-employed workers and their third-party contracted staff to ensure they're not losing out on the living wage either. Um, and this can help improve uh, your confidence in your supply chain and also take responsibility for outsourced workers. Um, but I think one of the clearest things coming from this conversation and what Laura is saying is actually it's not as simple as many people think uh, to ensure that you're getting the minimum wage and that you're abiding by the law. And so if you're paying the minimum wage and well, the minimum that you can get away with, you might actually find that you've missed something and that you're not getting away with it and you get fined. So one of the best ways around that would be paying the real living wage, um, you know, a higher amount that all your uh, colleagues can live off, uh, making workers happier and removing that risk of breaking the law. Okay, one of the one of the clear definitions you, you gave us at the start when you gave us that excellent summary of the, the difference be, between the uh, real and the national uh, living wages was the 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 age of, of of recognition and the national living wage as you said applies to those under uh, to those 25 and over so laura what why does the government distinguish those below the age of, of 25 um good question the honest answer is i don't know um there isn't a lot out there in terms of what the rationale is 
possibly it's in order to encourage uh, employers to employ younger workers. I think those under 25. Um, what we can say about the rates is that there are five different rates in the UK, uh, which is all, uh, more than almost any other country. Um, when the national minimum wage was introduced, there were only two, which was £3.80 an hour for over 21s and £3 an hour for 18 to 21s. And I think with the current process, it's quite hard to justify the difference between the different age rates. So, for example, um, you know, what's the difference between a 25-year-old and a 24-year-old in full-time work? Well, according to the rates, it's 45p per hour. Um, even bigger difference further down the chain, if you look at um, the rates for a 20-year-old versus the rates for a 21-year-old, the difference is £1.48 per hour. Um, it's also very difficult for employers to administer because they have to keep a track of people's birthdays and people's ages and then adjust their uh, the rates accordingly, which is another area where employers are are being caught out, um, you know, because it's not surprising that somebody's birthday is not going to happen at the beginning or end of a pay reference period um, and it's going to happen somewhere in the middle. So they need to have the correct um, administration in place to deal with those different triggers. And, and similarly, uh, the Living Wage Foundation, why, why does your rate apply to 18 and above? So the real living wage rates are based on the minimum that is required to live. Uh, and we argue that those um, living standards um, are the same for everyone over the age of 18. Um, at the moment, if you're a 20-year-old um, earning the minimum wage, you can receive uh, less than £12,000 a year from your employer. And that's £5,000 £5, less uh, than the real living wage. And for us, that it would be uh, unfair for us to promote uh, any rate that was less than what needed to live. Um, our rates are what we think should be the floor for employers. Uh, if workers gain skills or develop their roles as they're getting older, uh, of course they should then be paid more. Uh, but it wouldn't be right for us to set rates that were uh, less than what's needed to live for a 20-year-old. Okay, and, and finally, we, we'd like to think anyway that responsible pay is a, a matter of fundamental importance to businesses across the region. So what would you each give as a, a takeaway message, message from this podcast for, to those listening? Um. I think uh, mine would be in relation to uh, checking your employment practices. So um, we know that uh, HMRC have got a, a huge increase in budget to operate audits to check compliance. We're seeing a large number of fines and no doubt people will be aware of the naming and shaming lists, which we're seeing um, approximately every quarter. So I would say check your employment practices and procedures and your handbooks to see if you um, have any areas where you could be accidentally in breach. Um, as an employer, you don't want to come under HMRC's radar and end up in a situation where you're being fined, uh, not least because uh, those fines can be huge and arrears payments as well would be due, which can go back six years. Um, but also, secondly, and most importantly, I think, as a message um, for this podcast is in relation to the fact that your employees should be walking away with national minimum wage um, for all of the time that they work. And it's important that you're checking your practices to make sure that, um, that there isn't a situation where employees are working longer or having deductions from their pay, which mean that they're not being paid the correct rates. Yeah, thank you. And sort of... Um what I would say with the main takeaways is obviously ensuring that the minimum wage uh, is paid to your staff is what's required of you by law. But to be truly responsible, uh, you should be ensuring that all of your workers are taking home enough to live. And so therefore, you should strive to pay the real living wage where you can. Um, 
in Birmingham, we have uh, above average uh, levels of low pay. Uh, 24% of people earn less than the real living wage, uh, well above the UK average. Um, and so therefore, you know, we've seen the new rates announced this week and this is a really great time to get involved. Uh, it, good for your workers. And you'll be joining the thousands of employers who are already experiencing the business benefits, including increased staff motivation, um, increased retention rates, reduced absenteeism, and many employers say that it really improves their brand reputation. Um, if you already pay these rates, then you should definitely get accredited with us in order to celebrate and promote yourself as a truly responsible employer. And if you don't yet, but or even if you're a long way off, uh, but would like to do so in the future, please also get in contact. We'd love to work with you to make this possible. Um, you can see a list of living wage employers, uh, how to credit, and how to get in contact with us at www.livingwage.org.uk.